0: Coming up on the Get Lean, E Clean podcast.
1: But the thing is, your ability to sleep is, it's just a like a basic function of your body. It represents like all the different things you did that day. Because like if you if you were mega stressed out in the morning, right? And through that, that's still going to carry through your nervous system into that night of sleep. So everything you do throughout the day affects your sleep. Okay, it's not just one or two hours, screens off, blue box. Like, those are good practices. But equally as important, just going through the day whether it's like getting outside in the morning, that, that's going to be probably one of the most actionable things, right?
0: Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was, five, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed Dr. Dylan Petkus. Dr. Pekas is a physician, researcher, and health optimization expert who takes an integrated approach to sleep apnea. We discuss the importance of sunlight to help with sleep quality, along with routines to implement to help with your sleep, how to naturally combat sleep apnea, the importance of box breathing to help with snoring, creating an optimal sleep environment, and his one tip to get your body back to what it once was. Really enjoyed my interview with Dr. Dylan. I know you will too. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the Get Lean E Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin and I have Doctor Dylan Petkus on. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello, hello. Thanks for having
0: me. Thanks for coming on all the way from Florida. I'm a bit jealous. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a good place to be. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Especially this time of year. And uh, and you have a practice out there, medical doctor, sleep health expert. Um, what led you down this path?
1: Yeah, so I mean, my own issues, my own frustrations with the system, um, and and being able to help people, uh, virtually, uh, in that sense, all over the world, um, and you know, because like you know, when you're in conventional medicine, which don't get me wrong, there, there there's many things, infections and bone breaking and all that stuff. Yeah, signing up, uh, for that very allopathic approach. Uh but a lot of lifestyle things, less so, right? Because like for me, uh, sleep was a big part of my uh personal picture, or whether some of the, you know, cases we see, whether it's chronic fatigue or autoimmune issues, thyroid, things that just kind of get covered up with like a here's here's your thyroid hormone, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they can call me 40 years sort of deal. Or here's your oh, you don't sleep, here here's Ambien. Uh knock yourself out literally. <laughs> uh, but, but like, you know, I get that's good in a pinch if you don't have a, a great solution otherwise. Um, but you know, just not very sustainable or really targeting the real issues. So that's where, uh, my departure has been and be able to, you know, ask better questions, have better approaches, um, uh, and be able to, you know, really put the power back in someone's hand of like, Hey, here's how you can change this with how you eat or your lifestyle, your routines, etc. Uh, so the health is really back in, in someone else's hands as opposed to this
0: you know external pill or surgery or whatever what have you and you started did you start specializing in sleep like over the last few years was this something like you started sort of um almost like a holistic approach about everything and then you sort of gotten because it seems like a lot of your content and stuff out there is all about um optimizing sleep which is obviously a big deal
1: yeah yeah so i'm not technically specialized or like a uh you know board certified in sleep medicine where I just look over polysomnographs for three years in a row, um, miss that bus, but <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> being in primary care, family medicine is, is my background. Uh, you're on the front lines for these kind of issues, right? Cause like the, one of the chief complaints, one of the most common ones is, is I'm tired all the time. What's going on. And then that's like a stone's throw away from asking, how's your sleep? Right. Um, so that's why we, we do focus a lot on sleep because that's that's such a big gateway to so many different things that's where things can really fall apart because um, if you're not sleeping well, you know, I mean yes, life is miserable <laughs> on top of that uh, for people who have sleep issues or have for you know young kids or puppies, you know. <laughs>
0: sure yeah.
1: Um, but then also like y- your body can't heal. so it like if that's not in place, if you have another issue, okay but if your sleep's not right that you're just going to be kind of chasing your tail in circles that's why um you know a lot of people kind of the main thing they they come to us is like i'm i'm exhausted i don't know why i've done this i've done that and and, you know when it's a chronic ongoing issue there's gonna be things like sleep or uh brain fog etc that you know point
0: to deeper underlying issues that's why we you know hone in on on sleep as as a big part of that yeah i mean it's It is smart. I mean, it's one of those things where like, if you don't get your hands around quality sleep, like it doesn't really matter anything else that you do. Uh, I mean, I could tell him myself, I'm just, you know, getting good sleep. I'm, I'm usually pretty good at it, but I feel like it's something that I'm always trying to get better at, like sleep routines and even morning routines. What type of like, um, principles or, uh routines that you recommend your clients i mean i know everyone's a little bit different everyone, everyone has different issues but around sleep w- what are the sort of the main pillars that you talk about
1: yeah uh so first stop trying that that'll immediately make it harder to sleep because whenever you try to sleep you don't so there's that so mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the cuz i you know the the people i'll speak with are be like yeah so i'm like sitting here in bed and i'm like why am i not like that so um it's a bit of a zen art to it of like you know, trusting that thing. That's kind of the first thing. Cause we can talk about blue blockers and, you know, eating a certain way, but kind of the first kind of step back is like, okay,
0: <laughs> stop trying,
1: stop, trying, but you know, take action, but like, stop feeling like you're trying. Cause um, you know, yes, the next day won't be pleasant, but the more it becomes a mental activity and, and preventative that that's sort of the the, the primary barrier. Uh, so that's why being able to have kind of trust in a process, don't ignore it, but you know, it's kind of the first micro step. Now, action steps uh there's a lot of different ways in which we approach it so like nutrition nervous system uh environment your circadian rhythm uh those are going to be kind of the first sort of dominant wave of pillars there so i think one of the easiest ones is i mean really routines here predominantly in the the morning right and then also in the the evening before you go to bed and, and that's this that's usually the one people will hang their hats on because it makes sleep sorry it makes sense to sleep like that um, of where okay sleep's going to happen in one or two hours what can i do before then but the thing is your ability to sleep is it's just a like a basic function of your body it represents like all the different things you did that day because like if you if you were mega stressed out in the morning right and through that that's still going to carry through your nervous system into that night of sleep So everything you do throughout the day affects your sleep. Okay, it's not just one or two hours screens off, blue block. Those are good practices, but equally as important, just going through the day. Whether it's like getting outside in the morning, that's going to be probably one of the most actionable things, right? Because that morning light, right? Whether it's you know still got out in you know the outside today. I know it was like you know bone chilling twenty seven. Which is, you know, summer in Chicago, from my understanding. <laughs> uh, but you know that morning light's gonna pretty much activate your hypothalamus, okay? Because like light goes in your retina, retinal hypothalamic track there. Then it's gonna start to turn the wheels, so to speak, of your circadian rhythm. Think of it as like your your on button, okay? Or even more accurate, it's kind of like the first domino in a set of physiological events that allow your body to do the morning things, right? Whether it is cortisol going up okay it's gonna be a big part uh it will shut off melatonin production so like some people when they're groggy that's one component towards it there's still some lingering melatonin especially if you supplement it with it uh but you want to be able to kind of set your body into motion to be able to sleep better at night because the research is really clear like when you're getting you know bright morning light exposure from uh preferably you know all natural just like we aren't right now uh, (laughs) um that is going to set you up for better sleep at night because you have a good circadian rhythm uh, set up in the morning. There, so that's kind of like the the first thing. Not a lot of people do um is the morning component to it because you know we um especially right now it's January. Like people, they're off to work, and uh sun's not up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm lucky. I I mean, lucky. Well, we've been trying to go for morning walk. We always go for morning walks my, with my dogs. We've gone on short ones uh these last like three, four days because of like negative temperatures and they can't be out. But typically, yes, that morning walk uh is something that is a staple in our routine. So okay, so getting getting sunlight early. What else what else throughout the day or towards the evening would you recommend?
1: Yeah, so uh let's just continue on the sunlight train. So getting sunlight throughout the day is gonna be another one because if you like your circadian rhythm, um it is basically the timing mechanism. And either you're going to do things to make sure the clock is nice and set, or you're going to have things in your environment that mess up the timing of your clock for you. Okay. So for instance, like we're on screens right now. Okay. This screen, I could set it to a certain like brightness or color temperature, and that could tell my brain, Hey, it's noontime. Right. Right. But it's, well, okay, it's like 11 a.m. as we're filming this. So, like, close enough. But sure. mm-hmm. <laughs> if it was, like, 8 a.m. and I'm getting a, a new time signal, that's going to throw things off. So, whether it is, like, frequent breaks throughout the day, whether it is to get, again, sunlight into your, your eye, so to speak, don't stare at the sun. Don't stare at the sun. Did I mention to not stare directly at the sun? Uh, and then also being super mindful of, like, the light you are getting during the day. Because whether it's, you know screens all day um i mean that's really the biggest culprit that's gonna you know sort of program your clock in a different way even during the day so like um what would you say church
0: research... what, what i'm sorry what would you say i mean s- some people just can't get out in the middle of the day for sunlight like or in the middle of the winter uh and they're working all day inside um what would you say to that
1: uh i mean it, it's as simple as whether it's a few times like or just like once Okay, because like, I mean, geez, not too I mean, man, I haven't really been in a, like a, a work environment where people smoke all the time. But essentially,
0: sure. Like,
1: how many people go outside for like a cigarette break? It's, it's not going to stop them there here. Right. And not to compare <laughs> nicotine versus solar exposure. But like the more you're addicted to be able to have like your circadian rhythm in a good place. And that drives that behavior, whether it is like literally 30 seconds that you're like, I can't feel my face. You know, that's going to do a lot for your physiology, even with a small amount there. So just just once, whether it's during lunch or something like that, you just peek outside for a little bit. That's going to go a long way because the just the difference in the quality and quantity of light, because like right now I'm inside, I got like a few lights on. Maybe it's maybe it's like 300, 500 lux, if I had to guess. Uh, that's just a total amount of light from a source. If I were to go outside, it's probably right now... I'm in Florida. It's in the winter. It's probably around 90 to 110,000 lux. It's a huge right. difference.
0: Right. There. What about red um, light? I'm sorry to interrupt. What about red light? Are you familiar with using red light perhaps during the day? To-
1: yeah. So, so red light is really good for overcoming sleep inertia in the morning here. That, that would be one really great circadian use of it because essentially there's a lot of different things that'll influence your circadian rhythm and the internal timing of your clocks. Okay. because, Th- your rhythm essentially think of it as like a clock in the kitchen and anyone in your family can try to like change the time. Okay. Whether that's you, your dogs, someone who just randomly comes over. <laughs> so you want to make sure you got the right inputs to it. One input that's really important. We were talked about light, but also biochemically you'll have things. Okay. So like you drink coffee with caffeine, that'll in- affect your clocks. Another one is a chemical known as adenosine. Okay. For Anyone who's a, a biochemical uh buff, or maybe I don't know, you just read biochemistry books for fun. Uh ATP adenosine triphosphate, that's like the biochemical energy currency of the cell. How it provides energy is you have this adenosine molecule, and then there's three phosphates, just like a like a tail, okay. And then your body will cut off these little phosphates, and that will make energy available, okay. Now, when you do this, when you cut off the phosphates, one, two, three, you're left over with an adenosine molecule just kind of floating around. So over the course of the day, you acquire more adenosine, okay? And then the job at night, your cells, is to take all of the adenosine, all the phosphates that have separated during the day, and then put them back together so that then the next day, you're kind of locked and loaded with more ATP and ready to go. But that doesn't always happen all the way. And when there's still a little bit of adenosine left over in the morning, like if you're groggy in the morning, then that's what makes you tired. Back to red light. So red light will increase this reaction that takes adenosine and adds on the phosphates, Okay, which will remove that grogginess there. And that adenosine is a circadian signal. So if you're someone who is groggy in the morning or, I mean, you know again like wintertime in chicago i think the sun rises what like you know 11 59 a.m but the it's much earlier than that but <laughs> essentially that will help kind of get your rhythm going in the morning
0: got it and then towards the evening i mean i know we always talk about turning our screens off at least a couple hours before bed and maybe even you know having some type of blue light blocking like light, blue light blocking glasses as well what type of things do you sort of implement uh when towards the evening time
1: yeah so i think blue light blockers or reducing blue i mean really any artificial light is going to be really essential because again if you have like a a typical light bulb maybe around 5700 kelvin that's very close to what the the sun is at noon so if you're getting that like 8 9 10 p.m it's already a couple hours after sunset that is not going to tell your body to release melatonin at night to help you have good quality sleep so yeah, blue blockers are, are going to be really important. But the, the funny thing is, I know a lot of people, uh, I mean, blue blockers, geez, how long have they been around? A long time. I think the first original one was, if uh, you ever seen infomercials for yellow glasses for older people driving at night? That was the first yeah, yeah, right. blue blocker. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, those. Yeah. But, not, but even sunglasses will do the tricks. I know some people are like, oh, I don't want to wear whatever, whatever. Uh, but kind of the first, like, try it for yourself if this works sort of deal sunglasses will also do the trick because they reduce the quantity of light by about 90 95 Mm percent and then also they i mean they block pretty much all wavelengths of light not just blue light but like pretty much uh most of them yes you can still see but it will still have a improvement on melatonin production night not as pronounced as if you did use a amber or red tint but gets the job done for people who are like, I don't want to do this sort of deal. Mm.
0: And I I know you've posted on this before, but foods to avoid before bed for better sleep. What type of foods should people avoid?
1: Uh, Definitely cheesecake, top of the list, but other, (laughs) (laughs) so high sugar. Okay. Which would be cheesecake if you ever made one, it it gets kind of gross. So anything that's going to lead to prolonged insulin by the time you want to be sleeping and we'll work backwards from that for specific foods that would do that. But the reason is when insulin is high, melatonin can't be secreted. Okay, it's a very firm relationship. Uh, and we'll 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 do a little detour later about like, but Dylan, what about honey and, and milk before bed? That has sugar. I, I hear you, people. Uh, but essentially, anything that's going to raise insulin is going to lower melatonin, lower sleep quality. Okay. So that's why when you see like research and literature on people or even like societies who tend to eat much later, right? Whether it's like Italy uh, or, you know, other similar cultures in terms of eating time, um, they'll have elevated rates of whether it's cancer, okay, or sleep disturbances and other things that are going to be linked to that poor sleep quality. Okay, so uh, first thing isn't even like what to eat really when so like the more that can be further away from bedtime, uh, the better obviously, like, you know, don't go extreme and eat at 4am to <laughs> make sure you're far away, but just a reasonable amount of hours. Where like, most people recognize it. Like when they feel like things are digested, because people know the opposite when they're just like sitting there and be like, Oh, like that's not conducive in any sense. Now the type of foods that are going to make that worse. So insulin pretty much carbohydrate is going to be kind of one of the number one culprits with that. Okay. Car- more carbohydrate ingestion. That's going to spike insulin. Um, And then really, that's that's like really the primary thing. Um, If you are someone who's susceptible to reflux or GERD, um, whatever, I mean, everyone has their own individual trigger foods, whether it's like tomato, uh, you know, spicy thing, whatever it may be for you, uh, really make sure it's just completely out of the equation there. Um, Those would be the main things to avoid really like the, the close proximity in terms of time and then also high carbohydrate load
0: there. And I know you talk also a lot about sleep apnea. Uh, What are some of the ways that individuals can conquer sleep apnea naturally?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's uh, pretty much when we're thinking about this, I was just making a a presentation on this. So with sleep apnea, uh, you want to go through a sequence of sort of like little checkpoints, because sleep apnea is essentially you stop breathing at night, and you need to kind of walk back from there. In terms of being able to address it so the first thing is kind of i call it like the tipping point okay because there's a certain point where you're breathing you're breathing at night sleeping and then you're not what happens Does like was it bad luck why does this happen 30 times an hour and it's because there's a certain like choke point okay or like a narrowing in your airway uh and then eventually it just kind of collapses in on itself okay so what you need to actually do is actually retrain your breathing first because the reason this like kind of folds in on itself is because people are over breathing at night which i know makes very little sense because i just literally said people stop breathing so what happens (laughs) is people will over breathe and over breathe they're they're you know inhale exhale will start to get really high in terms of volume and then that increases the it's called shear force yes we're going fluid Newtonian mechanics here uh but that will kind of drag the walls of your airways towards each other and then kind of block them off like that okay, okay. you can almost think of it like you know like on a windy day when you have a curtain through a window and it kind of sucks the curtain and it gets like kind of stuck up against the the mesh there that's exactly what happens except in your in your throat with something so are,
0: are certain people more apt to getting sleep at ap- <laughs> more, more apt to getting sleep apnea?
1: Yeah. So like, the yeah. So how you get there? Kind of the I guess from ground up to yeah. uh, being at the tipping point. So yeah, it, there will be like a a start point of some sort of airway narrowing. Now, when it when that is present, it's a non problematic airway narrowing because sixty to eighty percent of all adults in the United States have some sort of Airway narrowing, whether that's an overbite, whether that's large adenoids, whether that's a, a posterior tongue placement, 60 to 80 percent have that going on. There is a you know can like confirmed, okay, because people have all these estimates of like, does everybody have sleep apnea? But there's a confirmed two percent diagnosis of sleep apnea across the you know the United States. So there's this big discrepancy, <laughs> right? Like, let's say 70%, 2% have it. So why does one category become the other? Because as time goes on, uh, people will, like, just, they just accumulate metabolic damage, right? Whether it's uh, improper diet, physical activity, stressors, bad routines, bad sleep. Then that leads to inflammation, okay? So now this this non-problematic airway narrowing, well, when things get inflamed, Do they get bigger or smaller? They get bigger. So then the the narrowing gets more narrow. And then that's when the essentially now your body is trying to breathe through a straw at night. And if you had to breathe through a straw, when if you were trying to run, are you going to breathe more or less to offset that? You're going to breathe way more. And then that comes back into the over-breathing problem that then will kind of sort of snap things shut like that.
0: So solutions to help with sleep apnea, would you say, obviously, I mean, if you are, you know, overweight or, you know, eating processed foods or things like that, like normal things that, um, individuals could potentially do to, to counteract sleep apnea.
1: Yeah. So, so with, with the weight thing, that's another interesting one because, um, when you look at the epidemiology or, or people like losing weight with sleep apnea, cause, um, one of conventional medicine's favorite scapegoats is we don't know what's going on, lose weight, sort of deal, because it's just, it's just easy. because um, if 60% of people come coming into the office are overweight, you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be right at least twice a day. So when someone who's overweight and has sleep apnea is about 20 to 40 pounds, which is not a small amount if anyone's ever lost that much weight, their sleep apnea symptoms will improve by about 10%. That's not a whole lot. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, that's not really like
1: a significant amount. Mm -hmm. And then also general population without sleep apnea, 60%, 65% overweight population with sleep apnea, 70%, not that much different. And then also, what about this other 30% like what's kind of going on? So it's more so think of it the inverse of where someone who's inflamed is more likely to be overweight. And also this inflammation will then precipitate. This this breathing issue here. So anything, and this kind of ties back, like whether it is how you eat, because processed food that's going to trigger inflammation, right? Or maybe someone's sensitive to dairy, and dairy like is one of the you know a common culprit people can identify with. Like, oh, I eat dairy, I get congested. Well, that's going to narrow your airways, and that's going to cause big issues. So diet is definitely a good area to look at. Like, what are you eating that is inflammatory? Whether it's whether you're eating, you're drinking. Um, those sorts of things you want to be able to identify what's inflammatory there. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the other big piece is also how you breathe. So you want to, if you're over breathing, then you just want to pretty much train yourself to under breathe <laughs> and then you'll kind of fall in that middle zone. How would uh, you,
0: do, how would you do that?
1: Yeah. So the, the, the easiest way to start, cause it, it gets pretty complex. Uh, but a lot of people are familiar with box breathing. Hmm. And what I like people to start with is something called – it's it's rectangular breathing. It's a little bit extended from that. And so what I mean is uh, box breathing is typically five-second inhale, five-second hold, five-second exhale, five-second pause. And you just repeat. Five in, pause for five, five out, for, and then five pause. Rectangle breathing, you just make the pause 10 seconds.
0: So breathe, so- pause exhale all within so the so rectangle breathing would be breathe in for five hold for 10 breathe out for five, hold, hold for, for 10, 10. <laughs> okay yeah yeah Got okay.
1: yeah i know it's confusing when I'm no yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. well i i know like in meditation there's different ways to breathe and stuff and um so so this would be one way to to help potentially with sleep apnea what about with snoring
1: same thing so because the snoring is just the turbulent airflow before that full closure in the airway. Okay. Because, for instance, if I just blow air like this, like no one can hear it. If I pursed my lips together in blue, like, I, and I won't do that, you would hear a whistle. Okay. Right. And the reason for that is because when you have airflow in a smaller and smaller, uh, radius, it's going to cause, if you want to think of it as like friction, right? That's going to cause a sound. So snoring is just your airways are you know, just getting there. That's why snoring is like present in like 90, 95% of people with sleep apnea. So doing this, the, these breathing exercises are also like, you know, reducing inflammation or, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to reduce inflammation that'll reduce snoring there. Uh, now it does depend like say if someone has uh, enlarged turbinates something like that you would want to do maybe like some more specific nasal breathing exercises whether it is just simply uh, it can be as simple as doing box breathing but pinching your nose when you're not breathing through your nose because when you pinch your nose uh, this will restrict blood flow for a little bit okay and then when you release then blood flow comes back in but that will essentially train or retrain, the nasal arteries predominantly the arteries to vaso or help with vasodilation and vasoconstriction by themselves okay because when they can vasoconstrict that again opens up the airways through your nose and then will reduce snoring through that you know nose turbinate palate
0: sort of pass so you're saying practice breathing while pinching your nose, or
1: yeah, so so you could just like stack the 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 nose pinch on top of the box breathing. So like inhale, and then as I pause, you know, pinch my nose so I sound ridiculous, and then exhale for five through your nose, and then okay. pinch again for the the Ted and then inhale. Okay, etc. cetera Because et just that little mechanical pressure, uh, that will help retrain those blood vessels to help with keeping airways more open
0: more open and and what are your thoughts on uh mouth tape
1: i think mouth tape is a good bridge from someone who is like kind of okay to uh really like optimizing breathing at night for some people like some people come to us like they're like they couldn't sleep without a cpap machine that's not appropriate for them because they still have some ways to go before they would consider using something like mouth tape uh but i think if you're someone who like overtly does not have sleep apnea um and you want to like try optimizing your breathing at night because you're suspecting whether you got dry mouth in the morning or um you know little things like that or someone says you're snoring you could you know go with some mouth tape and that can you know help you cross those last like 10 20 percent
0: yeah i've been testing it out a little bit so i was curious um it definitely takes a little while to get used to but i don't i don't mind it and i know there's a lot of companies that have come out now with mouth tape and it seems a bit strange at first, but you sort of get used to it and and then you, it, it sort of trains you just to breathe through your nose, which is, you know, better, better than breathing through your mouth any time of the day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. And then what about, so we got sleep apnea. So habits at night, you, we talked about already, um, pretty much not eating too close to bed, which is really important. Getting daylight, sunlight is important. Um, anything else that, uh, and obviously, uh, eating foods that will only serve you in the evening, which, you know, things that will raise insulin a lot, obviously you want to avoid like cheesecake <laughs> you mentioned and, and, and any other, um, things that you come across with your patients or, or tips that you'd give for them for restful sleep.
1: Yeah. Cheesecake for breakfast, It's a breakfast food. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the...
0: you're better off if you're going to yeah, have it it's right? better
1: off. You're going to put it somewhere. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, covered nutrition, covered breathing. Um, and then also like your sleep environment super important. Okay. Yeah. So whether it's like light coming in, air quality is super important. So like, and this depends on where you are. So if like you're down here in Florida, it's gonna be humid. You want to make sure it's not too humid, right? But if you're up in Chicago it might be a little bit too dry for you, you want to make sure you know you got the humidity right there. Because again, if if you're if you have sleep apnea, by definition, you have inflamed airways. Period end of story. Mm-hmm. So if the humidity is off, then that's also gonna potentiate and further exacerbate the inflammation going in and out. Uh, but also with like whether it is like um, uh, I mean it can range from like the pillow you have is like 15 years old and like <laughs> filled <laughs> with mold, which is delicious, or even um, you know, the tubing on a CPAP is again some old thing that has like, you know crud going in and out of it uh you really want to make sure your air quality is, is at a good place um and that could be from either i mean i, I mean really opening the windows if you're in a non urban uh environment would be a good practice there uh or even like an air purifier as long as it meets the you know the standards works for you in your bedroom and all that um that's what about big...
0: what about sleep position Thoughts sleep position is,
1: is a yeah it's a good one it's, it it helps you kind of stay on like one side of the tipping point, if you will, because like, because if you're like on your back and all your tissues are kind of sort of there, it's obviously not going to be a great way. Uh, Or if like you're on your side, you're going to have a better sort of posture in those airway muscles. But the bigger benefit of being on your side is like, you're less likely to roll into your back (laughs) there or kind of like be forward. So it's a, it's not like the best thing I would rely on because just because you start in a sleep position doesn't mean you stay there Mm -hmm. because it's kind of a uncontrollable thing for people. It can, it can help a little bit, but the doing the breathing exercises as you drift off sleep, because that will be a bigger factor because essentially it'll, it'll set the rhythm for how you breathe at night. So you're, you're more resilient to postures as opposed to being dependent on only one out of like four or five, six sleeping positions.
0: So, so there's not one position that you'd be like, Oh, maybe you should avoid that. I mean, obviously sleeping on your side with your arm up and, and you know, that could be detrimental to your shoulder. I've, I've run into that. Obviously I don't sleep like that yeah. anymore, but, but like whether you're a back sleeper or side sleeper, there isn't like one right way to do it per se. No, there,
1: there's, there's really no one sleep okay. position to rule them all. I think, I mean, the only, thing i feel comfortable saying that about is if you're pregnant don't sleep on your your right side <laughs> if you're really pregnant <laughs>
0: no and then what about um someone that's maybe on a cpap what's the best way what's some solutions to get off it
1: so doing what we talked about and then also being able to intelligently uh wean off of it because you know the, the main sort of the main setting is going to be the pressure on this thing. It's just kind of continuously putting air down your airway. Uh, hence the name, CPAP stands for continuous. Um, and that's going to be one of the biggest factors you want to modulate. Now that can be tricky for people. Some people they can adjust it themselves. Others, they have to like speak to their, you know, sleep doctor or whoever prescribed the machine, like, hey, I I think I can go from 10 to 8 or eight to seven, whatever it may be, or 7.5. So you, it goes through phases of like making sure you're getting the best sleep that you can with a CPAP. Okay. Then once that's stable, reduce reliance on it. And that is going to be reducing pressure. Reducing time is tricky because like you know, I don't want someone to set an alarm like, "Hey, rip this off four hours into the night." That's just not what you want to do. Right. Uh, so, pressure is the best one. And then, as you get to the lowest pressure, then you would see how you would do without it. There, right? Uh, but that's only at a, a certain level would that be appropriate there. And you want to have some other um, method in place to track. Like, okay, we've we've come off the CPAP. How are things doing? How's oxygenation? How's uh you know how are you feeling in the morning all those factors
0: and then are there any supplements that you use as far as helping people with uh sleep
1: it depends on a lot of their their metabolic issues there's not like a because there's just not like one size all fits or i guess sleep supplement because just hammering things like melatonin um you know that's not really reliable long i mean one it's beyond six months not really effective uh for majority people Mm -hmm. um but like a lot of what we focus in on is helping the metabolic issue with someone's mitochondria okay and if we want to use a supplement to help sort of offset any deficiencies or imbalances they have then we will use that and then by doing that then that would help sleep
0: got it so you wouldn't obviously start with supplements but perhaps if, if if it needs to come into play you'll use it
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: great Okay. Um where's the best place for people to find you?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh if, if you have sleep apnea, the, the thing I'm probably the most active in right now is our free Facebook group, which is the sleep apnea solution there. Um uh, okay. we have our Instagram, which is petkus P-E-T-K-U-S, uh Pecus M D uh there, posting there. Um uh, that's probably the most active places. Okay. Uh, there. I mean, we have our website, but really the the group or the, uh, social media will be
0: the best place. Yeah. More active, your Facebook group and things like that. Yeah. And and then I, I always ask my guests, uh, one last question. If you were going to give one tip to an individual that was looking to get their, their body or their minds back to what it once was when maybe 10, 15 years ago, what one tip would you give them?
1: I think have a very, very strong reason why and be able to like reconnect with that at least once per day. Cause I, I see too many people like reaching for the next biohack thing, but you know, it, the, some of the basic things are just like maintaining consistency and motivation and be like, it, it just falls up And it's just funny. It's like people are like, what's like, should I get a red light therapy bed? I was like, no, I think you should just like stop using your phone at like 9 PM at night. <laughs> so like <laughs> right. the, the more someone's connected to the vision of who they want to be and what that means a lot of those habits fall into place a lot more easily
0: yeah i love that love that excellent well i appreciate you coming on uh dylan
1: Yep. thanks for having me
0: yeah and uh have a great rest of the day
1: yep you as well
0: thanks for listening to the get lean eat clean podcast i understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine and i appreciate that check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.